So if you've been to the food fight, how was it? Awesome. Good. We're going at 3 o'clock. Uh, last check on their website, there's still 160 openings for the 3 o'clock shift. So if you want to get up there, I think, Neil, you said at the early service, no registration required at this point. You show up about 2.30, they'll, they'll get you trained and, and going. So anyway, this has been awesome. And I don't know, I just love that we've done this. It's a great experience as a church. It's a great thing to do. Uh, and it's a great reminder of how easy it is to impact the world in this modern day and age in which we live, the way we can share of our plenty and make a tremendous impact on the world. Hopefully everyone here, or almost everyone here, is familiar with the story of Jackie Robinson. We were watching 42 last night, which was not because I was introducing with Jackie Robinson. It's just sort of a coincidence. I wrote this a long time ago. Uh, But he's the Hall of Fame baseball player who not only broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball, but he shattered it through a combination of exceptional on-field play and just an extraordinary, courageous, resolute demeanor on and off the field. And so it is for good reason that the number 42, his playing number, has been retired for every team in Major League Baseball. But despite all of his extraordinary qualities... Jackie Robinson could not break the color barrier on his own. He needed someone to help him break into baseball, not because he lacked the talent or the ability, but because he didn't have that power, that authority to make it happen. That someone who helped him was Branch Rickey, the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers. And Branch Rickey was a man who, in his younger years, had seen firsthand the unfairness and injustice of racism and felt that he had not done enough about it then. And so he, he said, I may not be able to do something about racism in every field, but I can sure do something about it in baseball. And so Ricky began a process that would culminate in the 1947 debut of Jackie Robinson back in 1943. It was a four-year process to get permission from the Dodger organization to find the right man, as they as they called him, the man whose on-field skill would be matched by a resolute demeanor that could withstand just the most disgusting forms of racism and discrimination possible and answer only at the bat and on the bases and in the field. And I tell this story not to diminish the accomplishments of Jackie Robinson, which are amazing but to say that even the greatest people sometimes need help breaking down barriers. And so as we continue our look at the adventures of the New Testament church, today we come to a very interesting story, which has a a great deal of depth. The more you dig into it, the more depth there is to it. We're going to meet a man who, who was eagerly seeking God, but he had an awful lot of barriers in his way. And so fortunately, the Holy Spirit brought him together with a barrier-busting deacon named Philip. And this adventure takes place in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. You may want to follow along with your Bible, because it is a lengthy passage. Luke writes, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, 
who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran over him, to him, really. <laughs> that would have been unfortunate. And heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. I kind of love this phrase. He opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. There's so many interesting and cool things about this passage. I could, we could talk about it for hours, but I will not, right? I understand. We'll be respectful of your time. So, as I mentioned earlier, this is a story about two men and the Holy Spirit. One man is a powerful official in the kingdom of Ethiopia. And, and at this time, Ethiopia was considered to be the utmost ends of the earth. So, when Acts 1.8 talks about the ends of the earth, this was viewed as one of those ends. And the kingdom that he is a part of, historically speaking, is most likely one that was so powerful that the Romans were willing to seek a peace treaty rather than try and conquer them. That's saying something. He was a big deal, right? He's, He's the money man for this powerful and wealthy kingdom. And he had made a very long journey from his African home to Jerusalem to worship God. And so clearly he was very serious about reaching God, because he had made this journey, and as he was coming home, he's, he's sitting in his chariot, and he's reading his very expensive personal copy of the scroll of Isaiah. And yet, as eager as he was to seek and find God, he had a number of barriers that were blocking him from actually having a relationship with the Lord. And so this brings us to the second man, an energetic and effective Christian named Philip, who had a track record of breaking down barriers. If you go back and read the rest of chapter 8, Philip has already been to the detested land of Samaria. Remember, the the Jews of Israel hated the Samaritans. Jesus himself had gone there and preached to them with great effect, but no other Christians are recorded having gone to them yet until Philip does. And he preaches to tremendous crowds that pay great attention. They are on fire about the gospel. He is performing powerful miracles there, and the people are overjoyed. The Holy Spirit is poured out, right? He has broken down tremendous social barriers just by going to these people, and they're coming to faith 
and God is blessing this ministry because a barrier had been broken. And now Philip's barrier-busting ability is what the Holy Spirit uses to break through two sets of barriers that are blocking this Ethiopian eunuch from the Lord whom he seeks. Now, as is always true, when we look at these adventures of the first century church, we want to be asking ourselves, what does it mean for us as a 21st century church in Prince William County, Virginia, particularly in light of the Christ-given mission we have to make disciples of all nations? Now, the first set of barriers that were separating this Ethiopian official from God were barriers of ignorance. Because for all of his eagerness to find God, this eunuch was unable to understand God's word. And it's almost certainly not a linguistic issue, right? It's not that he doesn't speak Hebrew, because he's probably using the Greek translation of the scroll of Isaiah. As an official of a wealthy and and sort of uh, cosmopolitan uh, empire or kingdom, he would be familiar with Greek. He'd probably be fluent in it. Philip is a Greek-speaking Jewish Christian. We learned that in Acts chapter 6. So it's not a linguistic barrier. It's a, it's a comprehension issue. When we first observe him, he's reading Isaiah 53, and, and he cannot understand this prophecy about the suffering servant. And I think probably that's partly because, well, it's kind of hard to understand. I think most of us would agree with that but also because he almost certainly does not know anything about the way this prophecy was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so to help him break through this barrier, back in verse 26, God knew what was going to happen. And so God has Philip move. The Holy Spirit sends Philip from Samaria to rendezvous with this man down on the lonely desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is not a a short trip, right? It's not just walking next door. And I've got to believe that some part of Philip had to think that the Holy Spirit was joking. Because here he is in the middle of this tremendously successful evangelistic mission, right? He's got the capital city of Samaria, and they are hanging on every word he is saying. He's doing all these miracles. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. It is full-on New Testament awesome. And he's supposed to stop and wander down to the middle of the desert for this empty road from Jerusalem to Gaza. I think it's sort of be like telling Billy Graham to cancel, you know, an evangelistic crusade in Los Angeles and go stand on the road through Death Valley in the middle of the night waiting for something to happen. And yet Philip was faithful. And so he did. He went. And on that road, he encountered this God-fearing Ethiopian who was struggling to make sense of the words of Isaiah. And the Spirit, once again, poked Philip. He said, go join this guy. This is why I sent you here. We know it's why I sent him here, because as soon as he was done, the Spirit transported Philip to another place, which is cool. I wish we could do that. And so Philip was bold. Remember back in Acts chapter 4, they're praying for boldness? Well, he's bold. He goes running up to this chariot and I have to assume this guy probably had security, right? This is, this is a big deal. He's in his own chariot, clearly got money. Pretty sure he's got guards. And so he goes running up to him, and he starts the conversation with, hey, do you, do you understand what you're reading there? Well, the, Philip, the Ethiopian confesses his ignorance, and he invites Philip up to help him. And Philip uses this opportunity not to give an academic discourse on the scroll of Isaiah, 
but to teach the good news of Jesus Christ, starting exactly where the eunuch was in Isaiah 53. And obviously, he was successful at explaining how Old Testament Scripture points to the work of Jesus Christ, because this eunuch asks for and receives baptism. Well, there are, I think, some clear lessons for us as this story unfolds as to how we need to be breaking down barriers of ignorance in the 21st century. Because wherever we go, possibly with the exception of the church, we're going to see people who are separated from God because they simply don't know how to reach him. So even as we read stories and see statistics about the alarming drop-off of church participation in America, we are surrounded by people who are desperate to find God. They may not know that's what they're desperate for. They're desperate for something. They don't know what it is. And so we're going to encounter people as we go about our daily lives. We're going to encounter people, some who know most of the truth about God, and they just need a little help understanding and applying it to themselves. That's kind of the situation for this Ethiopian official. We're going to encounter people who know part of the truth about God, but maybe they've got some error mixed in there or some some lack of knowledge. And we're going to encounter people who know nothing about God, who don't even know the name of God. That's really, as the world has come to us, that is the increasing reality of our community. And they have no idea how to satisfy the longing that's in their heart for something. Because you see, I think the great paradox of our time is that, that people are more and more interested in spiritual matters. Right? How often do we see celebrities talking about spirituality on TV? There is a hunger and an openness to spirituality, and yet at the same time we see a drop-off in church attendance and participation. They're not looking for the spirituality at church. They don't think church has the answer. I think that all of our culture's fascination with spirituality and with mysticism and alternative and Eastern religions speaks to a genuine desire to know the ultimate, to know the eternal. Right? Scripture tells us that we have eternity written in our hearts, that we have a hunger for the Lord, but for those who are hungering, they don't necessarily know his name, much less how to satisfy that longing. And so we're going to constantly encounter people who are separated from God by barriers of ignorance. And like Philip We're called to help break down those barriers. If you go back and read chapter 8, and then you go forward, and you you look at kind of, you hear that ending part of chapter 8, those last verses we read, as he just, oh, he shows up here, so he starts preaching here. Then he goes to all these little villages, and he preaches there. Everywhere Philip goes, he just talks about Jesus. That's how he is. That's how we need to be as we carry out the mission that Christ gave us that it's just natural for us to talk about Jesus, to help break down those barriers. And Philip shows us precisely where to begin with each person we encounter. It's where they are. Not where we wish they were. Not where we are. Where they are. And whether that's total ignorance, or it's some mix of truth and confusion, Or they're, you know, 90% of the way there and just need a little nudge. 
Right? We cannot approach people with a one-size-fits-all presentation because there's not one size of person. That, in fact, is the consistent example of the book of Acts. Right? If you really look at all the evangelistic speeches in the book of Acts, they, they each start in a different way, in a different place, because their audience is starting in a different place. Now, the bad news for that is that it means that, like Philip, if we want to break down barriers of ignorance, we actually have to listen to where the people are. Right? We actually have to listen to them first. And then ask, do you understand? Then we have to use where they are and the Scripture to point them to the Savior. And like Philip, we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. Because his willingness to go where the Spirit commanded, even though it didn't make sense, is what put him in the right place at the right time. And I would ask, as a church and as individuals, would we have the faith to stop a really good mission? To stop a really good ministry because we think that the Spirit is leading us to focus our attention at some desert place in the south of our Jerusalem. We'll take it together, these qualities of sensitivity, obedience, and a flexibility in tailoring the presentation of the truth, not tailoring the truth, the presentation of the truth. These are what made Philip successful at breaking down barriers of ignorance. It's what worked then, but it's what's crucial if for us if we are going to be successful at breaking down the barriers of ignorance that exist for so many people. But the other set of barriers that separated this Ethiopian eunuch from God were even harder to overcome, right? Philip could do a little teaching. He could do a little explanation, and some understanding would come through. That's the easy part. But the other barriers were cultural and physical. Because it was difficult and painful for a Gentile to fully convert to Judaism. But worse... For this man, Deuteronomy 23.1 said that a eunuch could never get close to God. That despite this man's long journey to Jerusalem, I mean, he invested a significant amount of time and money to go to Jerusalem to worship God. His earnest reading of Scripture, there was no way he could ever get to the inner courtyard of the temple. He would be allowed to love and fear and admire God from a distance, But under the law, he could never get close to God. And I think that's why the Spirit sent Philip to proclaim that truth, which is our great good news. That in Jesus Christ, there are no more barriers separating us from God. See, the barriers of the law were there to keep out foreigners, to keep out eunuchs, to separate a perfect and holy God from anyone and anything that was not yet perfect or holy. And an Ethiopian eunuch, by definition, could not be perfect. But when Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross, when he voluntarily took our sin upon himself, Jesus destroyed every barrier separating us from God. Just so long as we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. See, when Jesus died, Matthew 27, 51, records the curtain in the temple. Right? The curtain that was there to separate people 
from the presence of God was torn in two from top to bottom. This was both the literal and symbolic destruction of every barrier separating us from God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The great good news that Philip was sent to proclaim to this man was that he was no longer imperfect, that he was no longer doomed to seek and yet never reach the Lord. And instead, through faith in Christ, this eunuch was now perfect in Christ. Just as we are made perfect in the eyes of God through faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, I don't know about you, but perfect sounds pretty good to me. And I think perfect sounded pretty good to this man from Ethiopia. I would think that we can assume that since Philip started explaining the good news to this foreign eunuch in Isaiah 53, and he was reasoning from the scriptures, that he probably made it to Isaiah 56, verses 3 through 5, which talks about the place of foreigners and eunuchs in the realized kingdom of God. Isaiah wrote, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name, better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. You see, the prophecies of Isaiah point forward 700 years the saving work of Jesus Christ. That through his sacrifice, there are no more foreigners anymore. Right? Foreigners are part of the people of God. And eunuchs will have everlasting life in the presence of God. And so I think it's no wonder that in Acts 8.36, which I believe is the climactic verse of this passage, that after a lifetime of being excluded, being told he was different, being told he could never be close to God, being told he could never be good enough, the Ethiopian eunuch says, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And the answer is nothing. In Christ, all barriers are broken down. And nothing prevents a believer from reaching God. And so in verse 38, Philip baptizes this foreign eunuch from the ends of the earth. The barriers come down. Well, Philip's good news is our good news. That there are no barriers to God thanks to the saving work of Jesus Christ. And so as we gather in the next few months to look at our strengths and our gifts and our opportunities, right, to, to come to understand God's vision for this church, to understand how he has gifted us to accomplish his mission, how to use our assets that he has given us to their maximum value to accomplish Christ's mission, part of that answer, part of that vision has to be to be barrier busters, like Philip. Because we've already established there are no permanent barriers, thanks to the work of Christ. 
But that does not mean that people do not build up barriers for themselves that keep them from reaching God. And that does not mean that we as a church do not sometimes build up barriers that keep other people from reaching God. Barriers can be cultural, they can be physical, they can be psychological, they can be ethnic, they can be political, they can be economic, they can be educational, they can be linguistic. They can come in all different flavors and sizes and we need to see them so that we can deal with them. Because we have a mission to do, to make disciples of all nations. And so we have to be in the barrier-busting business, not the barrier-building business. When we encounter barriers of ignorance, then, like Philip, we need to be prepared and helpful, sensitive and aware, gentle and winsome, sharing with all who ask and all who seek after God. Because we have the best news in the world. So we should be excited to share it with anyone who would like to know more and how, what it means. But there are almost certainly other barriers, some of which, many of which, we are completely blind to. And we need to break those down as well. Because there is no place for ethnic or racial or socioeconomic barriers in a church that is trying to accomplish the mission of Christ. And we have to realize that barriers run deeper and more subtly than we can ever imagine. For those on the inside, it is hard to see the barriers that we put up, right? Barriers that might be based on how we dress or how we look at how others dress. Barriers based on appearance or perceived status or, or wealth or education, right? Barriers based on knowing a particular churchy language, that insider knowledge that we tend to use so easily and naturally without realizing that for some, we have no idea what we just said. So we need to examine ourselves closely and somehow objectively so that we can see where we have built barriers up and then we need to break them down. There are also barriers of misunderstanding because many people would never darken the door of a church. That is a sad reality that many people have been hurt by Christians or by churches in the past. And so while they are desperately wanting to relate to God, and they don't know how, the doors of the church represent a massive barrier because they fear what's inside. And so like Philip, we have to go where the people are so that we can help break down those barriers. For many who are unchurched or de-churched, those who have past church experience but have fallen away, there can be barriers of sin and guilt and shame. Right? They can feel that they are unworthy of God, that a church could never welcome them in the condition they're in, that Christians are only going to mistreat them because of their past or because of their present. They feel that God could never love them the way they are, that God could never forgive them. And because they believe there is a barrier, there is a barrier. But there are no barriers in Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul gives a long list of sins that absolutely separate people from God, and they are sins, right? Now, we're not equivocating on this point. 
But his message to the church in Corinth was this, and such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So as a church, we need to be like the first century church, and we need to set about smashing these barriers of sin that keep people from coming in, rather than just trying to smash the sinners. We have to proclaim the good news, that through faith in Jesus, we are washed clean by his sacrifice, that when we put our faith in him, that there is grace and forgiveness and love, no matter what our past life is. No matter what our present situation is, when we repent of sin, we are washed away. No matter how bad it might seem, no matter how terrible or humiliating or shameful or distasteful, God is faithful to forgive when we turn to him. Barriers. Whether we build them ourselves or whether they exist in the minds and hearts of those outside the kingdom of God, barriers prevent us from fulfilling the mission of Christ. So we cannot permit barriers to stand, because Jesus suffered this horrible death on the cross precisely so that the barriers would be torn down. So let us embrace and proclaim that truth from Galatians 3. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Please pray with me.